0: What's up everybody? It's your pal Steve with Omer Gaming. With the holidays fast approaching, we're here to help you find the perfect gift for the gamers in your life. Thanks to the fine folks at insertcoinclothing.com. We have been given a 15% discount code to pass on to our wonderful listeners. If you're looking for stylish video game t-shirts, hoodies, and even socks, then insertcoinclothing.com is the perfect place for you. Use the code 17ombra15 to take 15% off your order. The code is good once per customer through the end of November. Please note, the code does not apply to items already on sale or bundled items. Also keep a lookout as we will be doing a giveaway in the coming weeks with some gear from insertcoinclothing.com. Again, that code is 17 Seven. OMBRA15 to take 15% off of some of the hottest gaming clothing options on the market.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ombra Gaming Podcast, episode four. We've done four, which is exciting. I am Manny, and as always, I'm here with Steve
2: and Matt. What's going on, guys? Not too much. Having a good start to the week, Manny. I'm looking forward to Destiny 2 coming out next week for PC. That's right. it's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh how, how are you doing steve
0: i'm doing great i'm actually looking forward to you actually being able to talk to us now about destiny 2 instead of just having <laughs> yeah. to listen to us ramble on for days at a time
1: it's so annoying it'll be fun to have you in the
2: conversations yeah happy to <laughs> yeah. be here
0: I'm, I'm happy uh we switched to the the weekly because now tuesdays have uh, have new meaning in my life it's good that's true just really
1: a good day Yeah, just to shed a little bit more light on that, we are doing weekly podcasts now, which is really exciting. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of support and a lot of encouragement, and people just want more content, and we're happy to provide it. So, yeah, look forward to weekly podcasts. They should be coming out every Monday, barring any technical difficulties, which we're actually dealing with this week for episode three. But, yeah, we're excited to uh, be bringing out some more content to you guys, so we hope you enjoyed as much as we enjoyed making it. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Wolfenstein. We're really excited for that to come out. As uh, someone who grew up playing the Wolfenstein games, I'm really looking forward to this next release. Um, We'll be chatting a little bit about some of the fanfare that's sort of swirling around its release. Uh, There's a lot going on. it comes to wolfenstein people are angry about it some people are just ready for the game to be released so we'll talk about that we're also going to talk about some vr developments oculus is coming out with a much less expensive headset the oculus go is going to be released um, in early 2018 so we're going to chat a little bit about our take on vr um, what we've tried what we haven't and what some of our expectations might be for the oculus go and then for the second half of the show the topic of the podcast is our most replayable game so we had a twitter poll and we threw out some options, and uh, we wanted our, our you know, supporters to vote for what they wanted to hear. And the one that got the most votes is, uh, yeah, our most replayable games. So we'll be talking about which games we think are the most replayable, why we love going back to them, um, and why we enjoy them over and over again. Should be fun. I'm looking forward to that one. So, yeah, let's kick it off. Steve, why don't you get it going with Wolfenstein?
0: Certainly. So BJ Blazkowicz is back, everybody's favorite Nazi-killing-badass. Um, So this is picking up after the Wolfenstein um, game from 2014. So you end up, just a little spoiler here, you end up taking out General Deathshed. Great name for a Nazi general, by the way. That is
1: a
2: really aggressive name. Because the
0: big thing with these Nazis is they've taken over the world. So it's not just any old World War II Nazi where they have their little stranglehold in Europe. Pretty big
2: stuff taking over the whole world.
0: As you mentioned, there's a little bit of fanfare towards it. And there was some uproar because... You know, apparently some people are upset about killing Nazis in a video game. Which is insane.
1: Which is insane. Disclaimer here, we're not going to get too political, but we're just going to kind of state how we feel, we're going to talk about the things that uh, we feel strongly said about.
0: everybody right before a rant of political proportions <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: so disclaimer if you don't want to hear about politics and you just want to hear about video games skip to the next section
0: i i, get, I would preface it's not so much about politics as it is so much that nazis are bad like i, I think it's really just that simple
1: <laughs> exactly there are some folks uh, let's just call them neo-Nazis, that are upset that there's a video game about killing Nazis, which is insane. You know, I read an article from uh, the developers, and I forget, who, I forget who specifically said it, but he basically said, you know, we went with killing Nazis because we can all agree that Nazis are bad. And, I, I mean, that has to be true. I, there's literally no other way to think about it. It's all a little bit too topical given today's sort of political climate. But I mean, we literally had a war against them, a war that we won. So why wouldn't people be okay with a game that, that sort of simulates that clash? It doesn't make any sense it's ridiculous i just don't i I don't see any reason why people should be upset that being said people are upset uh there was actually a new trailer that was released i think it was about a minute long but it was essentially a clip of one of the nazi soldiers getting punched in the face and 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 text shows up on the screen and it essentially says something to the tune of if you support nazis gtfo which i thought was pretty funny uh i mean like good for them for sort of like embracing that kind of (laughs) feedback and standing with you know what they believe in and not not like caving to to people who are upset by this because it's that's pretty ridiculous that being said i mean i grew up playing wolfenstein 3d that was like one of my favorite that was probably the first shooter i ever played yeah i mean it was it was so good i played it on my old apple computer though the the computer that i yeah my first computer and i remember it so for, for those who maybe haven't played it it's essentially it is a 3d shooter, but uh, 3D in, in the way. sense that there's like, yeah, there's like perspective in the hallways, like the hallways kind of end <laughs> at the center of your screen, and it and it kind of looks like you're going down a hallway. Yeah, but you um, always had to
0: remember that sometimes there were hidden rooms behind a little portrait. That's true. That was pretty innovative Ooh. back in the day.
1: Um, One of the things that I was going to say, I remember playing it, and if I remember correctly, you can only turn in like 45 degree angles and 45 degree increments, and so it was pretty terrifying.
0: You could turn fully around. You could, it was... First but it was person, like incremental. No, you could fully spin around. It was it was very free room. It took a really? little bit, yeah, but it was all like the um, it was all the directional oh, okay. pad, yeah, on the the keyboard. Okay, and so you could just literally yeah. spin around. And, and move it had it was a lot smooth. of yeah it had a lot of a lot of movement that was kind of unprecedented for that but like because it was kind of like the precursor yeah. to doom it was ex- like doom took their model and turned into the franchise they became
1: well i remember playing it and and i remember that added such a sense of sort of terror because you didn't really know what was going to be there uh and it was also super challenging if you had like more than like three enemies it was It was, like, really difficult, especially because the aiming was really rudimentary, especially compared to, like... anything that came out after like 1997 and yeah i mean that that sort of was i want to say one of the first games i I actually ever played um so i have like really fond memories of the of of that game and i know steve you played a little bit more of the series right
0: yeah well i played that one a good amount because excuse me i had it back in the day on the pc my dad was actually a big fan of it he used to play it but i actually downloaded it on ps3 because it came available on playstation network a few years ago for like ten dollars and how could I pass that up? And it, they just ported it exactly the same. Like, the graphics were the same thing awesome. you would have expected. And I just remember how fun it was because that was one of those first ones where you picked up different guns as you went along so you got more powerful. And like you said, you could open one of those rooms and all of a sudden there's like six guys in there and you had to actually figure yeah. out how to duck behind cover and shoot them because... The shooting mechanics were very interesting because they would just kind of shoot in your general direction and just, you know, it was one of those right. it was a game in the early 90s, so if it went in your general direction, it's going to hit you, so all of a sudden you look down yeah. and you have like 33% health, and so it kind of added that right. little sense of tension at a very early stage.
1: And I remember like as you were getting shot, there was the little face, right? Your Oh yeah, of face. course,
0: and it would get more bloody, more swollen, it would just look absolutely yeah. grotesque by so the awesome. end. And yeah, because that's exactly what Doom ended up doing as well. They had the same type right. of idea, and it's a great idea. It's one of the, the premier first-person shooters for the early 90s, and then you see how it's translated now to the next-generation technology, and uh, the Wolfenstein game from 2014 was an absolute blast. It's exactly what you expect. You're battling these super-powered yeah. Nazis. You have a bunch of right. – and they actually have, like, these mechs, so they're walking around in robot suits – makes it for some really like entertaining boss battles um there were some times where i got really frustrated with that game because it actually gave you a challenge it wasn't just like a first person shooter where we're kind of accustomed now to the call of duty where the campaign is basically a movie and you're playing through that movie to try to see the end but they really don't pop out many challenges wolfenstein actually embraced the idea of challenging the gamer throughout so i'm actually looking forward to see how this game builds off that because it was a cool ending you had this nice little victory but now you're realizing oh shit they still have a ton of territory so here we go and i'm curious to see any improvements that they've made now because a lot of these games can play in 4k so have they made the jump what's it going to look like with the frame rates and really i'm looking forward to being bj Blazkowicz again again he's one of those He's. I feel like he's like one of the most underrated Nazi killers
1: of his time. I think he's really underrated as a video game character. Um, I think he really kind of flies under the radar. And and I would be willing to bet that that's just a product of people maybe not getting into the Wolfenstein game earlier. But yeah, I mean, he's one of those characters that just kind of feel like a badass, similar to uh, the guy from Red Dead, right? Like we talked about in the last episode.
0: One of the things, you mentioned that he... He's maybe not well-known because people just don't play Wolfenstein, but I think it's just because he's more of a product of that game style when it originally started. It wasn't about character depth. It was just about yeah. we're going to be you a know, first-person shooter – we're going to start blasting Nazis, and then eventually you're going to battle a big Nazi boss at the end of the levels. Who
1: was terrifying, by the way.
0: Oh, he always was, yeah.
1: 1992 spoilers here, so if you haven't played the game, you don't miss your chance. But, yeah, it was essentially a gigantic uh, mecha Nazi guy. Uh, he, was like, he had, like, a robotic body, and he had two machine gun hands. And it was terrifying. I remember, especially as a kid, like... I was thinking I was looking at the character and I'm like this guy is like four times my size so yeah i mean i just remember him being so terrifying um and that was a really that was a really cool experience so yeah i'm looking forward to it i think all of this sort of fanfare that's coming out um, around the game is only going to help them. They're only going to get more coverage. They're only going to get more people playing it, especially now because it is topical. I think th- you know, as as much as there are people who are like, no, killing Nazis is bad for whatever reasons, there are five times as many people that feel really good about killing Nazis. So I think they're just going to get more people to in buy a video the game.
0: game. In a video game. Let's, in let's a video preface game. that. In a video let's game. let's cover our. Ba- I don't want to yeah. get you know, all of a sudden yeah. someone's knocking at our door. We heard you were talking about murdering Nazis, and then you know, I don't yeah. want to yeah. deal with that. So.
1: We mean in the video game video games Uh, only so yeah i think it i think it's gonna be really exciting um i've really enjoyed seeing the trailers come out seems like there's some really cool built out characters it seems like the story is gonna be really fun and on top of that there seems to be a, a lot of really awesome awesome action so yeah with that why don't we uh let's talk about some vr stuff let's talk about virtual reality
2: virtual reality yes it's the future
1: the future, it is the future. So development's coming out of Oculus, so they are releasing what they're calling the Oculus Go. It's it's priced around $200, and basically it's a standalone headset right so it's similar to like the samsung gear or whatever it's called basically it's only the headset and the controllers uh there's you know you don't need to have a high-powered pc to play it you don't need to plug it into any kind of console or 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 monitor it's just like a standalone thing and it's supposed to be sort of like the entry point into vr i don't know how i feel about it but before we sort of get into what our expectations might be you know like what what kind of experience do you
2: guys have with with vr because i actually have no idea yeah steve what's your vr experience
0: my VR experience is quite literally none. I honestly <laughs> haven't had the chance to <laughs> indulge. Literally zero.
2: Literally zero.
0: <clears throat> I wanna I wanna give it a shot, but I was looking at the PlayStation VR, and then I know Manny has some thoughts on that that he'll definitely get to today. Mm, um, I have some thoughts. But once once I heard kind of his his idea on it, honestly, just funds aren't really there to indulge in the VR. But I haven't had really a chance to go out and like actually experience it anywhere. Um, my roommate he actually he went somewhere and they were doing like one of those free testings of it so i gotta i gotta hit one of those up and really experience probably it. probably the mall yeah probably <laughs> yeah. that no 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 <laughs> actually from what i remember he wasn't there but i want to i want to give it a shot it looks like a lot of fun my big thing yeah. is i need to be impressed with you know like a game offering for it because if there's really nothing that's right. going to interest me to play i can't shell the money out for it but I would like to uh I'd like to dabble with it. Maybe uh if I go out and visit you in DC in January for MacFest. Yeah. Then uh then we could dabble and be a good time. For sure, for sure. Matt, what about you?
2: I I have a long and varied history with VR. Um <laughs> It's actually not that long.
0: <laughs> it's a uh... It's a dark tale filled with love and intrigue. VR,
2: <laughs> I haven't heard that name for years. So everyone sit down because it'll be – I'll be talking about this for an hour. No. <laughs> um, I. So actually my first experience with VR was um, – one of those, like, Samsung phones that you plug into the headset and then you put the headset on. Do you know what I'm yeah, talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the Galaxy Gear or yeah. whatever it's called. Um,
2: yeah, and the first thing I watched was President Bill Clinton uh, speaking about things that he had done with the clinton foundation that was literally my first vr experience <laughs> that's about the lamest <laughs> vr experience you can have it's mean, an introduction not to <laughs> get political or anything this is a video game podcast but that was my first thing and then i started playing with the phone and i found that there was a star wars like vr thing and so i put that one on instead and i was like zooming around on Tatooine um on a speeder but at my current job i got to use in oculus which was like real vr and i played this like intro sort of i I don't know if it's a free game that oculus just comes with but there's games like you know you you go into a sort of like a lobby but the lobby is like a big rec room and there's like ping pong and frisbee and like kickball or all these different games that you can sort of play and there's like other people there with you And it was – like, the first time I did it, it was – I don't know. It was just, like, really weird (laughs) that, like, I was in a virtual space with other people who were also –
1: Which I guess is the the goal, I guess so,
2: right? But it was just, like – I don't know. I've played MMOs and stuff like that, and it just, like, combined the avatar and the actual human one more more step, like, one more step closer. And that just kind of, like, freaked me out that I was – just representing myself as like this other thing even though it was like this cartoony sort of character yeah and then um so i started you could like wave at people and stuff so i waved to this guy and we started playing we started setting up cups for like beer pong and then we would we like threw the ball back and forth a few (laughs) times and in most vr right now like you you point at the ground and you press a button to like teleport to that location because you can't like walk um yeah and so at one point i just like teleported next to him as he was setting up his cups and i just like swatted them all onto the ground and like took the ping pong ball and <laughs> threw it across the room <laughs> and it was just that it was awesome, awesome but then it was also like wow i just did something really mean to this person i have like no idea who they are and you, like, can't yeah, speak but you to can, them. You can do that because the internet is anonymous. Did you do
0: one of those, um, like, Destiny-style dance moves afterwards or you just start busting a move? You should have. You <laughs> should like have done the, the chicken, chicken dance. dance. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, actually, so it gets worse. So then I, like, motion to shake his hand. And so, like, you could shake his hand and then confetti, like, explodes. And then I, like, waved him over and we went to go play disc golf. So frisbee with it's like frisbee golf what did i call it disc golf is that a thing for i think it's called well, frisbee golf yeah okay so we went and we did that and so i throw my frisbee and he throws his and i teleport to mine and i throw it again and i get it in and he teleports to his. But before he picks it up, I I teleport to his. And I pick it up and I throw it across the Dude, oh, Matt, it kind of sounds like you're a VR dick.
0: Yeah, you're a total
2: <laughs> VR dick. I'm a VR bully. I know. But it was just. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, but then I was starting to get dizzy. <laughs> and I realized, like, that's my main issue with VR is that I yeah. get dizzy it, no matter what I'm doing. Yeah. Because yeah. um, after that, I was playing uh Tilt brush, which is like the painting thing, which was oh, yeah. so cool. That was my favorite VR experience. You have not tried a lot of VR experiences. I've tried three, <laughs> as that's I've your explained.
0: Favorite. <laughs> three more than me. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but it was really cool. I painted a giant cardinal, and it was like 3D. I remember. I, I saw that cardinal. Yeah, you giant saw it. I, I took a really picture impressive. of it. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a beautiful giant cardinal. And for like people who are actually artistically talented. I can't imagine the cool stuff that they could make that then people could like walk through and stuff like that. And the one VR experience that I haven't done that I really want to do is Star Trek Bridge Commander, I think it's called. Oh my goodness, that would be a dream it come does true look really cool. to captain a Star Trek vessel. That is a good dream. The
0: one thing that was slightly drawing my interest to in VR was Vince Gilligan was talking about how he played around with PlayStation VR and wanted to make a Breaking Bad VR experience, and that would... That would be pretty cool. That would just get all my money. Be like, yeah, take it. Let's go. Let's go see what we can do with this. I don't care what it is. Like,
1: But, you know, you could uh, make it even more real and just start cooking meth if you want. That's that's realer than virtual reality.
0: I got to tell you, I don't think I'd have the same success as the fictionalized TV show. I, gotta, I That is probably you know, true. I don't want to go to jail for that.
1: That's true. Yeah, and like if Matt started bullying people on the disc golf field,
2: he would probably get escorted out. So I guess the theme here is doing things you're not able to do in real life. My jury is still out on VR. I'm not sure how I feel about it. That's my story. That's fair. And <laughs> scene. And that's my story. Yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts on VR.
1: I so Matt and I work in the same place albeit in different cities. Don't tell them that. Everybody knows that. We've already <laughs> spoken of this, you fool. So we have a we have an Oculus down here, which we, we have used at events and stuff, and it's incredible. Every cliche... So I'm talking about the... Specifically referring to the Oculus. Every cliche that you've heard about VR is 150% true. All right, not all, every cliche. All of the
0: cliches? Not then, all of the cliches. Then you have to say, um, allegedly... Allegedly. Cov- cover yourself. Most
1: of the cliches you've heard about VR and the games, uh, within the VR sort of application are are probably True. The Oculus is one of the coolest, most immersive experiences I've ever had um, with a game. So as context, uh, Matt, I think I've played that same game that you were talking about um, with like the lobby and the different games. And um, similarly, like I have played the lab, um, which is also a free free sort of game slash experience. It's I'm pretty sure it was. Um, developed and produced by the same folks who did uh, Portal. And so, you know, that's sort of similar. Like, you have a lobby, you have all these different experiences. One of them is, like, you got to shoot arrows. It's like a it's like a tower defense kind of, kind of game where you shoot arrows and you have to shoot these little guys that are attacking your tower. Um, there's one where you're, like, a spaceship and you're floating around and you have to shoot these other spaceships that are coming at you. Um, there's, like, kind of a whole suite of these games. Um, I've also played some more, like, higher-end ones. Um, for example, Superhot VR. Hands down the best gaming experience I've ever had. So as context, Superhot is a game that I think was released maybe two years ago on PC and and, OS X, as well as actually no, on console was released just this year. Um, And it's a very fun game. Basically, it's a first person shooter where time only moves when you move. So it forces you to sort of stop and analyze your surroundings before making
2: decisions on how to proceed. That's how that's how I exist too. time only moves when I move. That's amazing. Yeah. Get to know a gamer, guys. So it, it it's really cool and it's very
1: empowering. I mean, like you can shoot a guy and all the, the all the people that are sort of attacking you are these like sort of like geometric humanoid figures uh, and they're all carrying weapons of some sort, whether it be like a hammer or a knife or a sword or a gun. And usually when you attack them or, or you know, kill them, uh their guns go flying in the air and you can grab them and you know continue shooting it's almost like this matrix game i really enjoyed the game when i played it on on my mac i really enjoyed it when i played it on my ps4 took gaming to a whole different level when i tried it on vr i mean it it, it literally makes you feel like a superhero it's the coolest most empowered i've ever felt in a game i mean everything is perfectly tracked everything is the movement is spot on and that's a product of the oculus being you know, one of the higher end VR sets out there, it has two what are called lighthouses. And the, and those two uh, lighthouses, they essentially track your movement in 3d space. So I'll, I'll I'll say this, I think VR is amazing. And I think there are two tiers. There are the high ends, like the Oculus, like the HTC Vive, uh, those are sort of the more impactful, and I think moving in the right direction, VR headsets. Whereas Steve, to your point about PSVR, I had it, i bought the psvr on a saturday and i returned it on a sunday uh like within 24 hours it was packed up and out of my house
0: yeah and that turned me off to vr for the time being because i cannot afford the other ones but no thanks for your input on that because i would have wasted money on it
1: yeah and so it's, it's interesting right i think in order to make like an intelligent decision about what to invest in when it comes to gaming you have to know what their functionality is and how they actually Play. So by that I mean, I, you know, I bought the PSVR after playing the HTC Vive, and the HTC Vive tracks you in three D space. Whereas the PV, uh, the PSVR, it only uses the PlayStation camera as a, as a motion tracker. So therefore, you can only be facing the camera, um, and it does not track you in three D space. It essentially, I mean, it does. It tracks depth, but only to a certain degree. You know, if if I don't have a sensor behind me they're only going to see and be able to track the things that are, are directly in front of me. Does it sort of
2: function like the Kinect did for Xbox? Exactly. It uses almost the exact same technology. That's so weird. Like, the Kinect was a massive failure. <laughs> so why didn't they just, like, exactly. understand? Why did they? That- but the applicability of the PS camera aside, the thing that
1: makes PSVR such a hurdle is, And I think I'll just I'll just come out and say it. I don't think it's worth the investment at all. I mean, obviously, that's reflected in my decision to return it within 24 hours. But, you know, until until the PSVR can have two trackers, it's just not going to be able to compete. And, And also, Matt, to your point about dizziness. So I actually got really dizzy and sort of nauseous as well. And I started researching VR sickness and what actually causes it. And basically when you are for example using the HTC Vive um, you have full 300 you know 360 degree tracking um, and real space movement so when I walk the machine you know the VR walks with me kind of thing obviously you have a limited space however big your room is or however big the spaces that you're playing in but as you move it moves with you so your eyes are seeing movement and your body is is feeling that movement as well I, I actually saw this a video by super bunny hop which is a guy who does all these really cool analysis of video games and, and, and different things within the industry, and he did one on VR sickness. And so basically, there's this liquid way back in your ear that sloshes around whenever you move.
2: Sounds sounds appealing. Yeah, it's very scientific. Uh, ear sloshes liquid sloshes around
1: is actually a medical <laughs> is a medical term.
2: <laughs> so the the
1: issue with the PSVR is that your eyes are seeing movement, but because you don't have that full range of tracking and motion, you can't really walk around. You have to be sitting in a chair or standing up. So your eyes are seeing movement, but that fluid isn't sloshing around, letting your brain know that you're moving. And so what it is, it's, it's a mismatch between what you're seeing and what you're feeling. And it's, it's pretty interesting, and this is actual fact. You're, when, when you see movement, but you don't feel it, your brain thinks it's hallucinating, so it has to throw up. That's essentially exactly what uh, motion sickness is. You
0: puked, didn't you? That's why you traded in the PSVR. You were puking <laughs> all over the living room. Admit it.
1: I threw up on the PSVR and I boxed is <laughs> So, for, for example, like, you know, people who get carsick, um, oftentimes it's because they're reading or something and they're looking at a still page, but they're feeling the movement of the car. And that's a confusion within their, what's called your vestibular system.
2: <laughs> Do you have a degree in science? Where are you getting this?
1: I don't know anything about science. This was all from the Super Bunny Hop uh, video, and we can put it in the uh, the accompanying blog post with this with this podcast. Mm. So that's exactly what VR sickness is. And the HTC Vive, the Oculus, they don't have that because they can track you in real space. So that's a huge hurdle. I think that's like a major point against the PSVR. Not to mention, so I played uh, Resident Evil Seven on the VR, uh, the PSVR, and I did not like it, man. It was so bad. It just wasn't immersive enough. Uh, the, The VR headset lets way too much light in, which totally breaks the immersion. Not to mention, you know, there's one scene pretty early on in the game. I didn't get very far because I returned the system. But there's one scene in the beginning where you enter in, you know, this sort of dilapidated house where somebody is murdered or what have you. And you're in the kitchen, and you see all tables, you the chairs, and the fridge, etc. And as you w- walk up to the chair, uh, I remember there's this one chair in the back of the room in particular. You walk up to it, and it was a 2D chair. It was like it was like a cardboard cutout of a chair. And I walked up to it, and I looked at the other side, and it looked like the same chair from the other side. <laughs> and so that totally that totally breaks immersion. So you can't sit in that chair. You can't sit in sure. that chair. It's a 2D chair. You can't, you can't do so it. So it's a 2D chair until they can compete on a on a graphics level on a development level and on a motion level it's just not worth your time it's not worth your money that being said all the other headsets are way too expensive like steve said you know it's the entry point is is way too high so i think i mean i think that's what fuels this move right oculus is saying we got to have a mid-tier vr experience where we can have people coming in paying 200 bucks which is like less than a ps4 Um, and have a full VR experience. I'll be interested to see though, what kind of tracking technology they use and and how it actually works. So I'm I'm actually reading an article from cinema blend uh, oddly enough they're they're mentioning that some of the uh some of the experiences you can have you can watch hulu you can find movies on netflix um you can read the new york times and play a few games right now it seems like the application is really narrow in scope but until i think there's a lot of novelty around vr so i think until the novelty goes away and we realize how it can actually be used in the gaming industry really only then will vr become what it it sort of reaches potential in the industry (laughs) and rant yeah, that was a long rant, man. That was long. I'm sorry. I have a lot of feelings about VR, man.
0: You know what's never going to get old though is watching people oh my play God. VR and You're like so fall right. down because they don't know where they are. Those are never going to go out of style. I will always watch somebody like walk into a crowd of people for sure. VR or fall off like a like a little a reasonable yeah. cliff. All right, a, small a reasonable cliff. cliff. <laughs> We're not a small
1: cliff. I will also always watch people playing scary games in VR and be scared. Because that shit is hilarious.
0: That was one of the only things that seemed cool about PlayStation VR because they had a paranormal activity game. I was like, ooh, that sounds kinda cool. And it looked scary. But then you're like, don't get it because it sounds like a bag of shit. It's true. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to spend money on that, so I. Decided I mean, that's why I got to. Resident
1: Evil Seven because I wanted that scary experience, and it just it didn't deliver, which is unfortunate. So yeah, that's our that's sort of our take on VR. I don't know. Maybe I'll buy one of these and see how it goes. Maybe I'll end up returning it
2: within twenty four hours.
0: If anybody cares to send us one, I mean,
2: <laughs> we will review your products, folks. If you send them to us for free, if you buy us things, we'll talk about them. You know a few details about the
1: uh, Oculus Go and again this is coming from the Cinema Blend article that we'll post in the show notes or the or the uh, article that we put up with it the trick to the device is that for $199 you can get the Oculus Go headset which is like a smaller version of the Oculus Rift and it comes with motion based positional controllers similar to the one that Samsung VR Samsung's Gear VR uses the controller is not like the current Oculus Touch controllers, but instead a lot closer to the likes of Nintendo's nunchucks for the Wii. It comes with a wrist strap, a haptic thumb pad similar to the HTC Vive controllers, a trigger, a start key, and a home button. Uh, the Oculus Go is also designed using breathable fabric and was made to be more lightweight and comfortable. Uh, and it also works with
2: people who have glasses. So there you go, Matt. It's nice because I wear glasses. Usually I have to take yeah, them off. Usually I have to take them off. Now with the
1: Oculus Go, for $199, it can be yours or... For a
2: donation from one of our supporters.
1: Cool. So that's VR, folks. Try it, but just don't try the PSVR. I will go on record saying it's just not. We're
2: gonna get a cease and desist letter from PlayStation.
1: (laughs) Please cease and desist talking (laughs) shit about us.
0: That's but that goes to show you, like, I love like PlayStation 1, 2, 3, and 4. Didn't really care for PlayStation Portable or the Vita or any of that. And I gotta tell you, they're VR.
1: Yeah. so I will say one good thing about PSVR. Their headset is comfortable. Mm. That's it. Well, that's all that's they a get plus. from me. Yeah, that's a plus. If you want
0: to buy it and just wear it as a hat, <laughs> <laughs> you can do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Check out my cool... You know there's going to be somebody who does oh, that. Yeah. And it's like, this is the fa- this is a fashion statement, yeah. all right? We're living in a virtual reality of reality.
2: Oh. <laughs> I heard that on Ancient Aliens on History Channel. Ancient Aliens,
1: where all the facts are made up. (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: actually History Channel's new motto. Where all the facts are made up Oh, is it? Yeah. Where all the facts are made up Mm. and the details don't matter. (laughs) Okay, we gotta see now we're now we're gonna get a cease and desist letter from History Channel. Yeah, that's whose line is (laughs) it anyway. It is all of a sudden
0: Drew Drew Carey is gonna be knocking at my door.
2: Or controversial.
0: And I'll be like, hey, I didn't apply for the prices right. What are you doing here, Drew? And he'll be like, hey, cease and desist. Whose line is it anyway?
1: And then I'm gonna say, Show me your badge. And he's gonna flash. <laughs> and then me he a has badge. a badge
0: and you're like, Why does Drew carry have a badge? And
1: then I'm gonna take the headset off and realize it was all in virtual reality.
0: Oh!
1: All right, folks, now for the topic of the podcast our most replayable games. So again, we had a Twitter poll and people voted on what they want us to talk about. Most replayable games won. So let's talk about what we play over and over and why we do that. Who wants to go first?
0: Before we talk about most replayable games winning, let's just talk about how because of the poll, democracy really won.
1: That is true. If there's one place where democracy will win, it is at ombergaming.com. Go ahead and check out ombergaming.com folks. Go ahead pause the podcast right now. Go check it out. Find us on Twitter. Follow us there. Like and subscribe. Donate an
0: Oculus headset. (laughs) We'll be here when you get back. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll we'll be here next Tuesday waiting for the donations to rack up. That's right. That's not going to happen. But anywho. Maybe we should
1: have a donation drive like they (laughs) have on NPR where all we talk about for a straight 24 hours is donations. Oh, that's such a good idea.
0: Somehow it's sustained PBS for decades. So I think it could work. Because they
1: had Mr. Rogers. Like if Mr. Rogers was like, PSVR is great. I'd probably be like, yeah it is let's go see how a stoplight is made (laughs) and this puppet's gonna (laughs) instruct us on how to do it yeah (laughs) jokes on you the puppet was my hand um (laughs) mr Rogers just got creepy speak no ill of the dead folks r.i.p all right folks now for the topic of the podcast let's talk about our most replayable games matt why don't you take it
2: oh that's a great (laughs) idea because i'm great i'm also great yeah (laughs) steve's great too (laughs) I'm decent. Steve's I'm decent. decent. He I'm hasn't not, graduated to not, great yet. We're a team, and
1: as a team, we are great.
0: I bring I bring my lunchbox to work. Isn't that what they say? No, if they is said that a saying, right? I've never heard that. <laughs> Maybe in my I life. don't. Know. It's probably it's probably lunch pale, and has to do with like hard labor, and I just sit in oh, a cube all day, so yeah. it's a little bit different. Well,
2: my most replayable game is drumroll, please. All right, no drumroll effect. Okay, we'll add that up in post. It is League of Legends. By far, and I cannot tell you how many hours I've sunk into that game. A lot of people think of a replayable game as like a game with a story that you play from start to end, and then you go back and you play it again, maybe in a different way, or like an RPG, you play the evil storyline or whatever. But I'm interpreting it as the game that I go back and I play over and over and over and over and over again, and that is definitely League of Legends. By far, hands down.
1: So so what are the re- like? What makes you go back? What are you looking for?
2: Oh, you know, uh, meaning in life. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Companionship. Companionship, yeah, you know.
0: Plumbers don't wear ties. <laughs> Just looking for that.
2: <laughs> it is, and I use this term with, I, I have feelings about this term, but I do consider it an eSport in that you can come back to it multiple times for infinity, And there's always new strategies on how to win a game. There's always different ways of working with your team to win a game there's objectives there's different champions that you can play who all have different strategies there's just so many different combinations um there's different positions just like in like a game of soccer or something like that and they're all different positions that you can end up mastering or getting however good at that that you want for instance like i started playing league long time ago um And I started with ADC. So I was playing the bottom lane because there's three, three lanes that you can play. And then I switched to top lane. And the difference being in bottom lane, you have a support character who's on your team with you and top lane, you're by yourself. And then I switched to playing the support character. And then I switched to playing jungle. And this is like over years and years of playing this game. Simple explanation is that there's three lanes in League and there's two teams facing each other. And the object of the game is for your team to destroy all of the enemy towers in that lane and then destroy their home base. In between those three lanes, there are forests with minions in them. That's called the jungle. You know, there's a position called jungle where that person goes through the forest area and kills those minions, and that's how that person gains experience. That person also comes to the different lanes to gank and try and kill the opposing team members, usually in in the early to mid game. So anyway, that's, I, I play jungle right now and that's been after years of playing the game and playing different positions and like playing with different champions and like learning those champions and their skills really well. And I just see every time I come back to the game, it's like a new game of chess and there's a new rule for me to learn, a new itemization for me to learn, new strategies on how to win, new strategies to try, new champions to try. There's just a lot going for it. I Actually, think League right now is reaching its pinnacle and Riot is doing which is the company that makes the game is doing a lot in terms of the development side of the game and like making things that are new and fun for players and just like redoing things that are antiquated and old and out of date that need to be you know redone so they're doing all that right now so right now is a really good time to actually even be playing the, playing league because there's just a lot of changes that i see is pretty positive
1: so it seems like the reason you're going back to league is because of that of that challenge that
2: you enjoy overcoming time and time again with new with new approaches. Yeah. It's like a it's it's a similar draw as any strategy game, like RTS game, is that every every time you hit new game, it's something different. It's never gonna be the same.
1: Nice. Well, so that's that's your most replayable game. Yeah, for sure. Are you playing it tonight? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you want to take the next one?
0: I can take the next one. So I gotta do. A, I gotta do an honorable mention to the no. Metal Song franchise because yes, it's that's what I'm saying. It's an honorable mention. Honorable mention. That's fair. I've talked enough about it on the previous podcasts, and I wrote an article about it. So
1: everybody should read it.
0: For this one, I kind of broke it up into two because I had a tough time picking my most replayable one. After that, because honestly, my most replayable is that whole series. But what I'm looking at for gameplay wise. I actually really enjoyed Skyrim. I played through that a few times, mostly because the the story was great. You had so many different quest lines. You can kind of build however you wanted to build that character, and there were so many different character options. Then, of course, huge fan of the dragon fights in Skyrim. So as long as they kept all of a sudden appearing out of nowhere, it was a lot of fun getting involved with that. So I loved it when I played a a ton of it on PS3, and then when they re-released it for PS4, I bought it again, played it again, and had a blast with it. Sunk a lot of time in it, both few times I played through it. A big fan of the Orc class, but... Skyrim was a blast for gameplay, but for story-wise, The Last of Us. That game I've played through I think three times now, and obviously you know how it ends. Nothing really changes, there's no things that you could do throughout the game that's gonna change the outcome of it, but that story is absolutely impressive. I'm gonna do a little spoiler on this one, the second one's coming out, I mean they've been teasing it, so my guess is the second one probably comes out in 2019, I'd be shocked if they end up releasing it in fall of next year. But the way they've been teasing it, it definitely seems like a 2019 release. But that first one was incredible. You play the whole game as Joel, who is, you know, surviving the apocalypse, and he meets this girl who's supposedly believed to be the cure in Ellie. And you create this bond because Joel, at the very beginning of the game, loses his daughter in the most gut-wrenching video game scene I think I've ever encountered. I like every time I play it, I still kind of feel that lump in my throat, and you just can't you, you feel what those characters are feeling at that moment, which is impressive for a video game because obviously you know these are completely fake. Nothing that's happening is real, but they actually, especially with the the graphics on PS4, they are able to encapsulate all those emotions in your, in the characters' faces and just everything they're going through. And so that scene alone just rips you right into that world of the game and you feel completely just downtrodden as Joel as you're going through life with like everything he does is basically just to survive in that world. He has no hope and then he meets Ellie who's possibly the cure and eventually she wears him down because Ellie of course is charming as hell. She's got jokes. She's always looking for the cool history of the world that she never knew. Ellie's got jokes. Oh, Ellie's the best. She's one of my favorite video game characters of all time. Because in the middle of the game, it just flips you on your head where it's like, oh, Joel is all types of injured now you have to be ellie so all that stuff you've been doing with joel because you have to rank up to rank up your weapons you have to rank up all your equipment and you rank up how much health you have and how you recover and then all of a sudden midway through the game now you're ellie and you have to redo all that and now you get to see the game through her perspective and it was amazing how they did it and the very end you realize oh shit joel is actually kind of the bad guy here and i i I remember because you thought it was one of those moments in the game where like, oh, maybe I can just not do what this game is telling me to do and we can keep going. But it's like, nope, you have to make that terrible decision where you're going to kill that doctor and you have to do it. And then you realize I am the bad guy. This is terrible. And you just look at Ellie and you're like, shit, I just let her down. I completely let her down. Jeez. And, like, I'll never forget how that game made me feel the first time I play it, and every time I go back to it, I just remember and re- relive those emotions, and it's one of the most well-done pieces of video games I've ever played. Obviously, shout-out to Naughty Dog. I'm a huge fan of Naughty Dog from, you know, their work with, like, Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter, and everything from Uncharted to this. Um so I'm definitely looking forward to the second one because The Last of Us is definitely one of my most replayable games and then throw in the downloadable content they put in for like the prequel about all about Ellie and how how she came to be. Oh man, they know how to tell a story. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean I didn't play too much of The Last of Us. I wasn't crazy about it. I won't get into it cuz obviously you really like it uh and, th- and that's fine i mean i i enjoyed it i just it was a pacing thing for me um but i i definitely didn't put in enough time to even probably even have the right to say that i don't like it but yeah i mean naughty dog has some awesome stuff and i'm actually pretty familiar with some of their designers and their work um and they have some serious talent coming out of there um i was recently in la and and i think that's where they're based out of right they're based out of la let me see uh, they're in santa monica um. Yeah. No. Um. I. Uh, I was recently, recently in LA for work, and I met a guy who had done some work with Naughty Dog in the past. Who actually happens to be a VR developer. So. Um. They. They do awesome stuff.
0: Yeah, I'd recommend if you have some spare time give give another chance, because I can definitely see the pacing issue. Because there are times when that game is very frustrating because you. You know, you have to figure out the ways to get around different um, situations uh, without saying too much with crafting and just figuring out how to beat certain enemies. So there are times where you get killed a few times trying to get past something and it gets pretty frustrating because you want to move quicker, but you have to be stealth at this time. But the replay value is literally in the story itself.
1: I also just didn't like the sound of the clickers. Oh, my God so terrifying oh that
0: was so creepy oh i loved it you could hear them around the corner yeah. and you
1: knew it was bad i gotta have a
0: shiv you gotta have a shiv also
1: fun fact uh maybe not fun fact but fact seven hours ago is was actually just released that uh naughty dog studios is being accused of firing somebody for filing a sexual harassment claim so maybe in a little bit of uh, turmoil over there, but yeah, The Last of Us is still a, still seems like a solid game. I'll, I'll give it another go for you, Steve.
0: It's enjoyable. It's enjoyable.
1: Well, nice. Th- thanks for sharing, Steve. So I, I thought about this a lot, and uh, I have decided Dark Souls is the most replayable game. I'm just <laughs> I won't go there. I will give them an honorable mention, though. If Steve gets an honorable mention, I deserve an honorable mention. Dark Souls. Dark Souls 2. Don't hate. Don't at me. So actually, my favorite not my favorite sorry my most replayable game before i before i announce it i want to talk about the two things that i consider the reason or like the factors of making a game replayable i think uh matt's point about the challenge right i think one of the reasons people replay games is because it is a challenge it's because it's an investment of time and energy and strategy and you can like think about the different ways you want to approach it i think metal gear is a great example of that too right metal gear 5 you can choose to do it a million different ways. Any one level can be done thousands of ways. So I think that's one reason why people replay games because they're like, oh, man, you know, I want to try this game without firing a single bullet or I want to try this game by killing everybody with explosions. <laughs> you know, There's a <laughs> wide range of approaches to doing any one thing in the game. The other reason why I think people play games is almost the exact opposite. Right. It's I want to unplug I want something to just sort of, like, take my mind off of gaming, sort of, right? I want a game that I don't need to think that hard, that can give me entertainment, that can give me joy, but I don't need to, you know, I can I can pick it up whenever, um, and I can have fun with it. I can get what I want from a video game quickly and effectively. So with those two factors in mind, I think my most replayable game is Limbo um, from Play Dead Studios. They're headquartered in- uh, That was
0: a good one. That's a good call. It
1: is a good call. It's not League, though. It isn't, <laughs> it's not League, that is true. Well, I can't even claim League as a replayable game because I haven't even played it once. Ugh. But, so yeah, for those that are familiar, Limbo was released, I think in 2010, yeah. So seven years ago, which is kind of crazy, Playdead Studios based in Copenhagen, Um, It's essentially a 2D platformer, sort of side-scroller, but um, there is some depth because of the art. It's all in black and white. Most of the things that move and exist in this world are just a silhouette. So the, the, the story is kind of ambiguous. You're just a boy who kind of wakes up in the woods, and you have to walk to the right, and everything wants to kill you. I think what's really unique about this game is the art. I think it won a handful of awards for its art and its gameplay. It's just one of those games that kind of sticks with you, I remember when I was in college with Steve actually, I forget how it came about and who found it. Um, but I remember playing in our in and I think it was your dorm in your suite.
0: No, yeah, it was Ben. Yeah, Ben found it. Because Ben was um browsing the old Xbox library oh, yeah? one night. He's like, I need a new game to play and he found limbo. He's like, Oh, what's this? And Yeah. The rest is definitely history when we stumbled into that nightmare. Yes. Yeah, because so... that's what it was that, that's one of the best parts about it. It's a nightmare. It's an it's it's literally a nightmare. And I
1: think that's <laughs> Actually, like uh, probably how a lot of people interpret that that game to be, but yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's our, our friend Ben, a mutual friend of ours, was looking for a game, and he f- and he came across this one. And I remember, I think it was you, maybe it was somebody else, one of our other friends, was like, "Hey, man, you gotta check this game out." So, I remember like walking over to the TV and watching Ben play it. And again, everything wants to kill you, and everything will kill you at least once, right? And so you respawn and you try it again, and it's essentially like a puzzle platformer. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty graphic. I mean, you're the, you're this little boy, or the silhouette of one at least, and you get decapitated. You get crushed. <laughs> you drown. You get uh, entailed on, <laughs> on spikes. The, the whole nine yards. Um, but it's done in in, in and I. I think this word is a weird one to use, but it's done in a tasteful way, and it it all comes back to the art. It's one of the most unique, like, just the most unique and artistic games I've played, and actually I'm reading now the game's wiki. It says, before it was released, Limbo was awarded both the Technical Experience and Excellence in Visual Art titles at the Independent Games Festival during 2010 Game Developers Conference, and it also got uh, Best Downloadable Game at E3 in 2010. So, I mean it obviously leaves a mark on the people who play it and I think going back to my two points about what make game what makes games replayable I feel like it straddles both which is which is kind of weird because that's almost a contradiction but I want to replay a game because it's a new challenge and I can come at it in a unique way now that might not necessarily be true in a platformer like Limbo because you just have to go forward and avoid death you know avoid traps avoid things that want to kill you but you know in my my sort of personal experience with it I sort of leave it alone for enough enough months or enough time in between to sort of forget where the traps are and forget how they work and forget what kills you and what jumps out at one time because it really does get hectic. I mean, at one point towards the end of the game, you're playing with gravity and every time you flip a switch, the whole you know gravity totally turns uh, upside down and you have to sort of make it to a different platform before you hit the top of the screen because there's like a blade, you know, spinning blades up there or something. So it, it's intricate enough that if you leave it alone for like four or five months, you'll forget how it plays. And I think that's really cool. But at the same time, I can pick it up whenever. You know what I mean? I, I play halfway through it, and... You know, saving is, is really frequent. I think it saves like every, I don't know, maybe every other screen that you scroll into. But, you know, it's it's one of those games that I can just, you know, if I'm playing too much Destiny, if I'm playing too much Bloodborne, I can stop and I can pick up Limbo and have a really, really good time with it because the, the on-ramp is so smooth. I, You know, there's literally jump and directional. Those are the only two controls you have. And for something that is so simple, both artistically and mechanically, it's such a deep game. Um, and I, I also played the sequel, uh, which is called Inside, I think it just came out about maybe two years ago, but equally as fun and equally as replayable. I almost like the fact that Limbo is even more simple. Man, it's so good, it's just, it's really tasteful. I'm like gushing about it because I want to go home and play it. But it's one of those games that's, that's just a really fun time for so many different reasons, and it also makes for a really good stream. I str- actually streamed Inside, and um, that was a lot of fun, because that game, that game gets weird, but fun for all the, uh, all the same reasons. Well, that's episode four, folks. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed doing it. Um, Find us on Twitter at Ombra underscore gaming. And yeah, chat with us. Keep an eye out for new content on the website as well. We're going to have weekly blog posts. I hope you have a wonderful week and we will see you very soon.